That's so good. Come on, can anybody give Jesus some praise this morning? Come on. I love what my wife says. She says, just because the music stops doesn't mean the praise has to, right? So just because the worship ends, it doesn't end your praise. Amen. We can stay excited, amen, even though there are no instruments playing, even though there are no people singing, your heart could still sing out in praise, amen? Uh, I'm excited. Anybody excited about what God's doing? So we got a little bit of a recap video that we want to show for conference. If we could just dim the lights, throw that video on. We want to show you some of the highlights from our conference. Let there be life. Come on. Come on, let there be life. <laughs> In case you didn't make it and uh, you weren't here, we had a couple of announcements that we made, and uh, we are opening up Restoration Life University here on campus. And uh, heading that up is going to be Pastor Mitch Maciel. He's going to be the dean of the school. <laughs> And uh, we've got Carmen Marquez in the house teaching apologetics. Carmen, are you here right now? Where are you at, Carmen? Are you here? There you are. Come on, girl. Stand up. Let everybody see you. Let everybody see you. She's going to kill it. She's going to be teaching apologetics, and uh, she's going to teach you why you believe what you believe. And uh, then we got uh, uh, Rob Gallardo. There he is. Come on. Our Latino Elvis in the building. And uh, he's going to be teaching you how to study the Bible. Of course, Mitch is going to teach you about our doctrine and what we believe and, and some theology. And, and then, uh, man, I'm excited. How many of you guys excited for Restoration Life University? So after next week, we are going to have your ability for you to be able to register through our app. If you don't have our app, download our app. You can register online. We'll have some ways for you to register in the Breezeway as well. But class is going to start kicking off in the first week of November. So listen, there's a lot of new stuff happening right now. So you guys got to pay a lot of attention to what's happening in our church through our website and through our app. Please, please, please don't be that guy that texts or calls and goes, hey, when is this happening? I didn't get the, the message. I didn't get the note. 
We got it on our app. We got it on our website. We've got it on announcement videos. We've been promoting it. Come on, you've been getting push notifications. If you still got a call or text somebody, you got a problem. You got a problem we can't solve. So, with that being said, make sure that you pursue the information, okay? So, again, the RLU, the Restoration Life University, is going to kick off the first week of November, and some classes are going to be held on campus on Sunday morning. Other campuses are going to be held throughout the week on campus. So make sure that you know what class you're signing up to. And um, also, whether you know it or not, this is a part of our process for developing leadership here in the house. So the future pastors, future church plants, future you know, um, executive team leaders, uh, future people on staff here, they got to go through Restoration Life University, right? So first, first step of that process is DNA. In fact... I'm teaching DNA, our new DNA class, this Tuesday night. Come on. This Tuesday night. So we've got something like over 35, 38 families already registered for our DNA class. It kicks off this Tuesday night in the fellowship hall. So make sure that you're there. Make sure that you respond to our lovely Jalissa's uh, emails. She's been following up on all you. This is Rob's wife. Hey, Jalissa, stand to your feet because we just love seeing you. Just love seeing your smile. I, I call Jalissa our DNA social worker. She keeps up on everybody, makes sure that everybody's doing okay, and makes sure that if you didn't get to class, she'll follow up on you and make sure that you get the information that you need. But it is a four- to five-week class, and um, we're excited about graduating new graduates. And then from there, you'll go into Restoration Life University. Out of Restoration Un- University, Restoration Life University, then you'll come into a Leadership 401 Well, I will be teaching you leadership And so that way you can get prepared for your purpose and your place in the kingdom as you pursue God for your life. Does that make sense? So that's the flow. That's the flow. We'll explain it in more detail when we have some more time, but we're excited for that. So Tuesday night, DNA. Wednesday night, my friend from from San Diego, C3 Ministry, is going to come and he's going to kill it. And so you don't want to miss out. This guy is a leadership beast. He's going to be here with us. He's spirit-filled. He's Holy Ghost. He's very prophetic as well. So he's going to be here on Wednesday night. You don't want to miss out on that. And then, then for those of you that didn't know, we are planting a campus in Torrance. Come on. Come on. I told you we were going to do it. We are planting out Pastor Don Schmolder into the Torrance campus. And uh, we already have people from Restoration Life that are going to go to the Torrance campus. Now, let me explain the difference between a campus and a plant. A church plant is a, is, is, is a lead pastor and his wife that's going to go. They're going to be interdependent to the mother church, but they are going to plan out separately from Restoration Life. Does that make sense? They're still a part of the family. They're part of the fellowship. Uh, they're going to implement all of our structure, our systems, our, our, our belief system, our culture, everything, our DNA, everything will go into that church plant. But we are not planting churches right now. We are planting campuses at this stage. And what we would like to do, what I would like to do, what God has put on my heart, is to plant anywhere between 40 and 80 people at the same time into a can- Torrance uh, campus location. That means people that are in ministry now, that are serving now, on our teams are going to transition over to the city of Torrance, and they are going to serve over there. But they are still a part of the Lawndale campus. Does this make sense? Right? So we're still one church, but we're just meeting in two different locations. 
So I'm going to go back and forth preaching from that campus to this campus. The Pastor Don is going to be the lead campus pastor on that campus, and he's going to build a team while he's there. We're going to help him build a team. We're also going to send him team. And so some people are going to be able to serve for three months. Some people are going to be able to serve over there for six months. Some people might stay six months. Some people might just decide, hey, I'm going to help the Torrance campus grow, and I'm going to serve over there, and I'm going to help lead over there. Does that make sense? So what that's going to do for us, it's going to open up parking. It's going to open up space in our children's church, and it's also going to open up more positions for people in this church to rise up and become the future leaders of this campus, right? So we're constantly reaching, restoring, raising up, and releasing people into ministry through discipleship. Does that make sense? So all the giving, all the serving, all the structure, all the DNA, everything, it all comes back to the Londo campus. So we're one church, two locations. So whatever you give here, financially also goes to support what God is doing over there. And whatever you guys give over there also goes to support what happens over there and over here. It all stays in the same house. We're just meeting in two different locations. Make sense? So we're looking for people that live on the other side of Artesia um, to go with the Torrance campus. But if for whatever reason, you want to stay here, that's okay. We don't, we're not going to force anybody to go over there. But if it's on your heart to go over there, we're asking you to pray about it. Mark these dates down right now. September 7th is a Friday night at 7 p.m. And Pastor Don and I are going to be meeting with everyone that wants to go to the Torrance Campus location. Right? So it's going to be a Torrance Campus interest meeting. It's going to be held in the fellowship hall. It's going to be at 7 o'clock. It's going to be about 90 minutes. We're going to explain how it's all going to work out, and we're just going to pray and believe God to open up some doors on that side. We want to reach Torrance, Lamita, Harbor City. We want to reach Palos Verdes. Come on. We want to reach on that side of the South Bay. And then one day, we're going to open up a campus in Culver City, Santa Monica, Venice area. We're going to do that over there. And so what we want to do is we want to sweep the Southland and the South Bay with the gospel of Jesus Christ and reach into all the city surrounding us with the way that we do church and the way that we minister and the way that we see God moving in us and through us because we believe God's got a plan for Restoration Life Fellowship. Come on. Anybody excited? Come on. How many want to take the South Bay for Jesus? All right. I talked a lot about that stuff, so just stay in tune. There's a lot of information that's going to be poured out, so keep up to date. Stay on our website. Stay on your app. If you haven't downloaded our app, you're not really saved. Come on. You need to download, I'm just kidding, you need to download our app. It's free, it won't take up all the hard space on your your smartphone, and you will be, and also open up your push notifications, because we won't bother you, but we will send you up. Hey, remember, this is happening. You're like, oh, I didn't know, and there it is, it's happening, and it'll just be a a friendly reminder. So this is the way that, that, that our culture communicates now. It communicates through social media, it communicates through uh through smartphones and smart apps and, 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 and things of this nature. We're also on YouTube. We're also on Spotify. And um, if you haven't noticed, we've kind of upgraded the platform a little bit. We've done some things. But these are not ours. Not yet. Come on. somebody, Look at somebody tell them, not yet. They're not ours, but that's the direction that we're going in. You guys like the screens? You guys like the LEDs? Somebody said it was overkill. Somebody said it Boo, come on. Boo. Boo you. Just boo. 
You know what I say? You know, God should have just, just created the earth and the sun and should have left all the other galaxies and everything untouched for us not to know anything ever about, not to be able to look at, not to be able to, to go even try to investigate. You know what? God creating all these wonderful galaxies and all these stars and all the light, God, that's overkill. You shouldn't have done that. You should have just, you know what I'm saying? God, your grace, it's too much. It's too sufficient. It's overkill. Just dying on the cross. That, how many know that God goes overboard? As a matter of fact, the Bible says that God goes above and beyond anything we ever hope for or believe in. And so we do this not because this is going to save us, because it doesn't. But what it does is it helps us reach another generation of people. And it helps us communicate the gospel and experience worship in a different way that I think is a lot of fun. Listen, when you go and check out our YouTube, when you look at the photography, when you look at our social media outreach, which is the way people outreach today, I think our church looks amazing. Have you guys checked out the cafe yet? Come on, undergrounds. Undergrounds. Not only did we finish the cafe before this conference, but we built a brand new platform and we finished a new kids play area behind the, the, the toddler room back there for them to be able to expend some energy. Listen, your heart for the house goes a long way. Can I tell you something? I haven't told anybody this yet. I'm going to tell you something that I haven't told anybody yet. I told my wife and I think two other people. During conference, right before we started conference, I had a couple come up to me and they said, listen, Pastor Eddie, we love what God's been doing here. And we love what God has been doing in and through your life. Our hearts are here with you. We believe in what God's doing here. We want to write you a check for $50,000 to help the vision of the house and do. That check didn't come to me. That, came, that check came to Restoration Life. It came to the house. And so they, they said, listen, we know we need a new roof. We want to pay for the roof on the sanctuary. Here's a check to make sure that our, we get a brand new roof for the sanctuary. Here's 50, 50 grand. Come on. Come on. Nah, that's too extra. You shouldn't have done that. That's too much. No. Man, they, their heart is in this house, and they believe in what God's doing in and through this body of believers. And man, I'm here to tell you, we're, we've, we've been looking at estimates and stuff, so we're going to be getting a new roof on this sanctuary soon. And so everything that you give that goes to the heart for the house, you see it all over the campus, right? This is, this is how we give to God. We give God our best in everything. God doesn't deserve our leftovers. Come on. God doesn't deserve our garage sale items. Come on. How many know that the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, deserves God's best? And that's what we try to give at all times. So just know that the stewarding of the finances are in great hands. And we're getting our new um, uh, roof pretty soon. Maybe, maybe we'll put a terrace up there so we can worship. From, no, I'm just kidding. Um, but, but one day we will have uh, some of these, these amazing screens and we'll remodel some more of this stuff. But for today, is anybody excited about all the things that God is doing? Yeah? All right. Turn in Ezekiel. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. Man, I needed to let you guys know that. Man, that blessed my socks off. They literally wrote me out a check for, for $50,000. I was like, wow. I'm, I was just so blown away by their generosity. How many know God loves a hilarious giver, a, gen, a generous giver? And uh, I told them, make sure if that's where you want the finances to go, make sure that you write that on the envelope for the sanctuary roof, and we'll make sure that's exactly where it goes. 
And uh, man, I'm just blessed by people, people's hearts of generosity because some of you are going to be used by God and your gifting is going to be business and finance and making money so that you can advance God's kingdom and God's purpose. That's your gift. That's how God wants to bless you. And you know why God will bless you? Because you don't hold on to it like that. You, you release it for the kingdom and God says, okay, now I'm going to give you more. Because you gave a little, I'm going to give you more. Right? Because if you're faithful over the little, God will bless you with, come on, somebody say, give me more. <laughs> All right, Ezekiel chapter 37, I've entitled this message this morning, Speak Life Over Dry Bones. Now, you got to forgive me because this message has been kind of developing over the day because I finished it last night like at one in the morning because last week we were kind of busy. And I, I told the media team, hey, man, you got to forgive me, but this one's coming in late, but it's coming out of the, out of the oven. So um, forgive me if I stumble through my words or anything, but I just feel God wants to say something to our church this morning. If you're watching us online, hey, welcome to Restoration Life Online. If you watch us on YouTube, man, it's an honor to have you with us. Ezekiel chapter 37, the Bible says this in verse number one, the hand of the Lord came upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley. And it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. And indeed, they were very, very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And so I answered, O Lord, you're the only one that could know that. And again he said to me, Prophesy. To these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord, and thus saith the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. Look at somebody and tell them, You shall live. Come on, I'm prophesying over you right now. You shall live. Hmm. Again, he said to me, you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. Verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling started to take place, and the bones started to come together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked on, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Verse 9, also he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Can you bow your head as we go before the Lord in prayer today? Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, for your living word. I thank you, God, for the word that you've deposited in our heart. Father, for the prophetic word that you've placed on all of our lives. Lord, today, Lord, we want to speak life over death. 
We want to speak restoration over brokenness. We want to speak healing over pain. God, we speak life over every family and over every marriage and over every situation. Father, for we know the thief has come in to try to steal, to kill, and destroy. But we also know that, Jesus, you came to give us life, a vigorous and devoted life. And we thank you for that. We pray, Holy Spirit, speak to us now, right where we're at, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I want, I want you to notice real quickly with me three very powerful truths that are found in this portion of Scripture. Number one, I want you to look at the positioning of the prophet or the placing of the prophet. I want you to look at where he is, what's going on around him, and where God places him. Number two, I want you to look at the hopelessness that is found in the children of Israel, or put it this way, in God's people. And number three, I want you to be able to see the power of a prophetic word. The power of a prophetic word. Number one, the first thing that I want you to hear this morning is that your present condition does not determine your future purpose in life. Let me say that again. Whatever you are going through right now, whatever season of life you are in right now, whatever circumstance you are experiencing right now, whether it be something that's financial, it's a financial strain on your family, whether it be a physical condition that you're dealing with, whether it be a psychological condition that you're struggling with, whether it be a relational thing with your spouse or your children or your friends or your coworkers, whether it be something that God has called you to that you haven't entered into, whatever it is, I want you to understand that your present condition does not determine your future purpose in Christ. Whatever it looks like, it is not the determining factor of what God will do in and through your life. Look at where God places the prophet. A little bit of background in Ezekiel chapter 37. Understand the children of Israel are in a very bad place. God had already delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptian empire. He uses his prophet to speak and say, let my people go. He gets his people released. They walk into a place filled with milk and honey. God gives them a land. God gives them a kingdom. God gives them a king. And now they have everything that they want. And during the time of blessing, they go back to a place of disobedience. Have you ever found yourself there? Have you ever found yourself in a place of blessing and you get discouraged because you think that your blessing is something that's going to carry you through your next season, but the reality is it's actually helping you go back into a place called the valley of the shadow of death. Because what we need to hear this morning is that God had brought them through the promised land, had given them everything that they wanted, and they still found themselves in disobedience. Why? Because it's not about the materialistic things that you have. It's all about the personal relationship that you have with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Right? So the people of God would turn against God once again. And God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar to come in with the Babylonian Empire and literally lay waste to Israel. Israel had become a place of ruin. King Solomon built a beautiful temple for God, and that place was utterly destroyed. Israel is now taken from, from their place that they've been given, and now they've been carried off as captives, 
and as slaves into Babylonian captivity. They turned their hearts against God, and God allowed them to go back to a place of enslavement. And so King Nebuchadnezzar does, does, reduces everything to ashes. And it's important to understand, and it's important to see, that this is where we find Ezekiel. If you read a number of chapters earlier, you'll find out that Ezekiel loses his wife in this fight. He loses his family during this season. He too is carried away into Babylonian captivity. They've taken all the Jewish back, Jewish people back as slaves. This is the condition of his life. He was in Babylonian captivity. The nation of Israel is symbolically, spiritually, and physically dead, but in the middle of all that hopelessness, in the middle of all that turmoil, in the middle of all that death, in the middle of all that decay, God decides to show a man a vision that he would declare to the children of Israel so that he can bring restoration life back into a nation, back into a people that would come back to a place of obedience to God. He speaks to him while he's in captivity. The Bible says, if you look at the message translation, that, that, that Ezekiel says, he grabbed me or he took me. In this translation, the NIV, it says, he got a hold of me and he led me into this valley. I want you to hear this this morning, that God wants to speak into the middle of your hopeless situation this morning. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 puts it this way. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. How, how many could use a little bit of strength this morning? Come on. How many of you could use a little bit of stability this morning? How many want to stand firm this morning? Have you ever faced a hopeless situation? Man, Pastor, I don't know where the next meal is going to come from. I don't know how we're going to pay the rent. I don't have any finances to put any gas into my car to get to my job. Pastor, I don't know if I could deal with him anymore. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Pastor, I'm done with her running away. I'm done with him acting and treating me this way. Pastor, I'm done with my, with my business being being feeling like I'm enslaved to it. I can't spend any time with my wife and my kids. Is anybody here with me this morning? Have you ever been in a circumstance or situation where it seems like everything that you did just failed? It just fell flat on its face. And everything that you tried to fix it wasn't good enough. Have you ever felt like the the stakes were all stacked up against you, and you, you felt like throwing in the towel. You said, man, I'm done. Have you ever just woke up and said, I'm done? You ever been at work, and people act up? And you know how people act up at work. They can be, they can be trifling, right? They can be, <laughs> they, they can be, they can be vicious. How many know people can be vicious, right? They could talk about you and, and slander you and gossip against you and say, say all nasty things against you just so that they can get a promotion that they know you deserve. Come on. Ever been at a place in life where everything just seemed to come against you and you say, man, God, where are you? This is where Ezekiel the prophet is. This is the placement of the prophet. Now, it's important to note that, 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 that this is also the condition of the nation of Israel. They were dead. 
They were ruined. And the only hope that they have is for revival from heaven. That's the only hope that they have. That's the only thing that's going to save them from where they are in this portion in this time. And so this scripture or this story for some people t- today is a prophecy. It's a message of a, pro- of a political um, revival of a nation. Can I just say this? And I need to say this to our church. I need to say this, and I, ne- I need you to hear me loud and clear. I know that many of us, that many of you don't like the leader of our nation right now. I know that you think that he is out to get you. I know that some of you really believe that he's out to destroy your family or their future. And I know that it can be very easy for us to be more political than we are Christian. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves slandering and gossiping and coming against a ruler that God has allowed for this season and time in the United States of America. Now, I'm not saying you have to like him, but my Bible says that it is our responsibility to pray for our leadership, to intercede on their behalf. You don't have to agree with their political views. You don't, have to, you don't have to agree with their political rhetoric. You don't even have to follow their stupid Twitter account. All I'm saying is that it is our job to honor and to pray and to lift up because the Bible says that God allows people in authority and he removes them out of authority. For, for whatever reason, good, bad, or ugly, God is allowing our president to be in the role that he is. And I will tell you this, and I know a lot of my pastoral friends won't say this, but I will say this. If I have an opportunity to be in the White House and to meet him, you better believe that I would be there and I would lay hands on him. I would pray for him. I would preach the gospel to him. I would, I would try to lead him to Jesus. And I heard that he actually came to Jesus. I don't know if it's true, but I'm praying that it's true because if it's true, nobody is beyond salvation. So let me just, let me just say that right now, okay, because we are a very multicultural church with people from all parts of life, and I find it depressing when Christians slander the president of the United States. We should be praying for him. We should be speaking life over him. We should be saying, God, give him wisdom. Close down his Twitter account in the name of Jesus. You don't have to support him, but pray for him. You don't have to support everybody in in Congress, you don't have to support everybody. You get to vote in privacy when, for your disagreements. But as Christians, we are to pray. We are to intercede. We are to speak life. Because the better they become, the better we are. Come on. In this portion of, that's not even in my notes. That's a freebie. That's a download from heaven right now. <laughs> in, our, in this story this morning, this is a message of hope for a people who have zero hope. This is the message of hope for people that have zero hope. So no matter how hopeless the situation that you may be in right now might seem, we serve a God who knows how to restore lives. Come on. 
In fact, Psalms chapter 33 verse 20 says this, the Lord alone is our radiant hope and we trust in him with all of our hearts. His wrap around presence will strengthen us. Did you hear that? His wrap around presence will strengthen us. I don't know if you know this, but when you get into the presence of God, when you press through all the other stuff and all the distractions and you finally make it here, man, press into what God wants to do into your life when you get here. Forget about who's standing next to you. Forget about who's on their social media. Forget about who's trying to talk to you and tell you, oh, those screens are too much. Forget about all those people. Listen. Press in and watch the presence of God envelop you and wrap himself around you and bring strength to you. Because you want to leave from Sunday strengthened, right? You want to leave Sunday equipped because we serve a God that loves to bring dead things back to life. We serve a God that loves to step into the dryness and the decay of your situation and circumstance and speak life over your death. We serve a God, don't get it twisted. If you're in a valley situation and it looks dead and it looks dry, I want to prepare you this morning for a new revival. Because this is where Ezekiel is. Ezekiel is transported by the Spirit of God from the Babylonian Empire into a valley of dry bones. Look at the placement of the prophet. I want you to notice this. It's important because Ezekiel had no hope. Ezekiel was in a bad place. Ezekiel lost his family. His nation was completely desolate, and God decides to transport him from a place of captivity to a place of danger. Watch this. Valleys throughout Scripture always, always symbolize a place of battle. Valleys always symbolize a place of danger, a place of robbery, of thievery. Valleys always rep- represent a place where, uh, of death. In fact, David prayed when he got up one day, Yea, though I walk, come on, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. And as long as you are with me in the valley, I don't care what's awaiting me in the valley. As long as you're walking beside me, I don't care who's coming against me. Come on, am I talking to anybody this morning? God, as long as you are my paraclete, as long as you are with me, come on. If God is for me, come on, who could be against me? So Ezekiel, can I just call him Zeke? Zeke gets transported into the valley. He's in the valley, and God shows them this vision. Watch this. He says, he says, take a look around. What do you see? And Zeke says, I see death. I see decay. I see bones scattered everywhere. I see bones that have been separated from their skeletons. I see nothing but death here. And then in verse 2, God says, can these dry bones live? And in Zeke, he's like, God, only you know the answer to that. God, only you know. Did you hear that? God, only you know. I can't answer that for you. Only you know what's going to happen next. Because God, you want to bring about life where there was death. In fact, Psalms, the psalmist in chapter 37, verse 7 says, quiet your heart in his presence and pray. Look at somebody and tell them, pray. Pray. Keep hope, what? Alive. As long as, as you long for God, 
to come through for you and don't think for a moment that the wicked and their prosperity are any better off than any of you. Remember that it is a vision that represents a spiritual condition of the nation of Israel and God's people. Israel was defeated. It had been crushed militarily. Its people had been separated and scattered into exile. They felt alone. They felt exhausted. They felt tired. They felt discouraged. They felt impoverished. They felt enslaved. Israel had a massive problem of hopelessness, but God. But God had other plans. Come on. God takes Ezekiel into this valley and shows him a vision of his condition. Come on. Sometimes God's got to take you from where you are to a valley of danger and death so that you can see the reality of everything that surrounds you. All I see is death. All I see is decay. All I see is separation. And can I tell you, when I walk the streets of LA, when I come into this place, when I go out and preach in different places, when I'm not around other Christians, all I see is death and decay and separation and families that have been torn apart by the wages of sin because that's what its payment gives. It's death but God is a God that comes and he gives life. And not just life, but life more abundantly to all of us that would devote ourselves to him. And this is the condition that the prophet's in. He shows them a vision of his condition. He shows them a vision of the nation's condition. And he asks him a question. Do you think that these dry bones can live? And I'm here to ask you, do you think that your circumstance, that the situation, that the death that surrounds you now, do you think that our God can change that from a place of desolation to a place of consecration and bring revival to what was dead and bring it back to life? Do you believe? Because for me, only God knows. Only God knows. All I know is as I read the New Testament, as I read the Old Testament, all I know is that we serve a God that has a plan for our life, and he loves to resurrect dead things. Not all things are meant to stay dead. Some things are meant to be brought back to life. Can anybody say amen? <laughs> but God has other plans. God leads Ezekiel around these dry bones. And I want you to know that when he leads you to these valleys and he shows you these visions and these dreams and these signs and he allows men and women to speak into your life, God will take you to a place where the rubber meets the road, where you're at the end of the rope, where you're at the bottom of the barrel, where, where, where you are done. Because sometimes some of us, can I just put it to you in this way? Some of us, we're just terco. Some of you Latinos, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you that don't know what that word terco means, it means stubborn. It means sometimes God's got to take us to a place of death so that he can speak and breathe life and bring a revival back into our lives. I don't know about you, but I was that kid where my mom said, don't touch the fire. Don't touch the fire. You're just going to get burned, man. <laughs> you know? and, that, and you know, I'm that kid. 
Any other kids like that? Raise your hand. Come on. Come on. You're terco. Right? You got to learn the hard way. Come on. Are you that person that needs to learn the hard way? I am. I'm that kid. I'm that, I'm that kid. Don't, 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 <laughs> don't do that. It's going to hurt. For a little. <laughs> Come on. Come on, if you jump off that building and you break your legs, don't come running to me. You, you know what I'm saying? I want you to know that sometimes we'll transport you to a place, a situation, a circumstance, a valley situation, so that you can see how things really are. And not the way the enemy wants you to see them through all these fake filters that he presents and, and lets you see things through. Because how many know that the enemy has a way of counterfeiting God's blessing and making you think that it looks better on the other side, right? It's kind of like when you're looking at people's social media profile. You're just looking at their highlight reel. I, I wish you knew what they looked like when they woke up. I, 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 wish, I wish they get to the day where your app can let you smell them, amen, so you can actually see what they smell like. You know what I'm saying? I, I wish that, that people were so honest that they, that they could go, look, look at what I look like in the morning. You, you know what I'm saying? Not like, you know, after you're all done up, and then you go, but you, have you ever seen that, that video clip where everybody gets around in a little circle, and they're like, hey, it's a party, and they got lights and everything, but it's only like four of them? You only get to see people's highlight reels because a lot of times fake people only let you see what they want you to see. Anyways, all right, so... There are situations which appear totally and helpless to all of us. We've all been there. I've been, at, I've been in that valley. I've fought in that valley. I've, I've thrown down in that valley. I've, I've come away from that valley scarred at times. But what I want you to hear this morning, I want everybody to hear this. God's got a specific individual plan for all of your lives. And even though you may be in a terrible place, that place that you're in right now doesn't disqualify you from a future in Christ. That place that you're in right now and that thing that you're experiencing right now does not determine the future plan that God has for your life. Don't get it twisted. God's ways are better than your ways. But his ways are not your ways. And his thoughts are not your thoughts. And so you're going to have to take off your thinking and put on the mind of Christ in order to experience, come on, the abundant life that God has for all of us. My Bible teaches me that what is impossible with man is possible with God. Psalms 38, 15 says this, Lord, the only thing I can do is wait and put my hope in you. I will wait for your help, my God. Listen, there are going to be times that God will bring you into a valley in your life so that you could see that there is no hope in your own strength, that there is no hope in your own wisdom, that your money won't buy you out of that trouble that you're in with your spouse, that that job isn't going to be sufficient, that what you thought would make you feel better has only gotten you a God will take you to the valley so that you can see the dry bones and the death so that he can speak life and resurrect you and make you better than you ever were in this living. Listen, hear me clearly, church. Sometimes God will take you from bad to worse so that you can see real revival take place in your life. 
It's only then that some of you will surrender. It's only then that some of you will obey. It's only then that some of you will say, I'm done. I'm going to abandon this life for the abundant life that God has for me. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask for, imagine, according to his power that is at work in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The Bible says to him who is able. Watch this. That, that word able is the, the, the Greek word that, that, that is, is dunatos. That Greek word dunatos is birthed from the root word dunamai. Dunamai is the same word that God uses for the spirit of God, the power of God that comes upon you. And so what God is saying, that God is able to place something on you to give you power and authority for you to be able to walk in the life that God has for you. And he's able to do above and beyond anything you ever hoped for, asked for, or believe in. Church, I am completely persuaded that God is able to create something out of nothing for you and for your good. That God is able to make grace abound. Come on, somebody, I need some more grace. Today. Come on, Corinthians 9.8 says this, and God is able to do what? Bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Come on, God is able to deliver you. Daniel 3.17 says, the God whom we serve is able to deliver us from this burning, fiery furnace. He was saying this Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saying this to King Nebuchadnezzar. And then they say, but even if he doesn't, we still won't bow down to you. I would rather be thrown into the flames in obedience to live in blessing in disobedience. God is able to deliver. God is able to give you strength to rise above your trials. God is able to save your family. Come on, your kids are not beyond salvation. Your spouse is not beyond salvation. Stop talking bad about it. My husband's this, and my husband's that, and I wish he was more like this. Start speaking life over him. Start praying for him. God, transform him into your image. Make him love me the way that you love the church. Are you hearing me? Start speaking life. Stop speaking death. Too many of us, we speak death. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You know that God has given us the ability to create with words. With words. Your words have more power and more authority than you think that they do. This is why the Bible says that every word will be recorded in heaven. Did you know that? That might change the way that you talk. That might even change the way that you text. That might even change the way that you post. Because we're being recorded. Did you know that? Oh, sucky, sucky now. Here we go. God is able to, nobody's beyond salvation. Nobody. That person that hurt you, they're not beyond salvation. Stop telling everybody how bad they hurt you. Forgive them and release them of that hurt so it releases you and start speaking life over them so that they can get saved and get right with God. Hebrews 7.25 says, so he is able to save fully from now throughout eternity everyone who comes to God. God is able, amen, to fulfill all of his promises. Everyone who comes to God through him because he lives to pray 
continually for them. I'm going to close with this. If I could have the worship team come up. I know that God took Ezekiel out of that situation to show him that as he looked around, that everything that he saw was beyond his ability, capacity, and strength to change. And sometimes God will let you go through a valley circumstance, a valley situation to teach you that this is not in your hands, that it's only in his hands. Can I share a story with you guys? When I first got planted, I remember I was a pastor. I was a youth pastor like for five years of a youth group that Roxanne and I started called Fresh Fire in Paramount. Now, I was working full-time, running a business. At the same time, I was a youth pastor of a church of about 80 teenagers, and I led the worship team. I was in church like five times a week. I didn't know I was in church five times a week, but I was in church like five times a week. And I, it's kind of like all of a blur to me right now, but it's kind of how we did life back then. And I remember being at a conference in Arizona, and I knew that God had placed a calling on my life. He deposited a prophetic word in me and Roxanne that one day we would go out and plant a church. And so on the last night of conference, right, there was thousands of people there at the Arizona Biltmore Resort. I was there doing my last youth conference with my teenagers. They didn't know that Roxanne and I were leaving them. And I remember hearing Pastor, Pastor uh, Neville announce, out of this out of the city of Paramount, out of the Paramount Church, into the city of Redondo Beach. Eddie and Roxanne Vargas, and the crowd went, wow. And all my teenagers were like, huh? And they just started crying. Are you? Roxanne started crying. I started crying. Everybody was crying. It was like a cry fest. And I remember that Adam and, and his youth, Youth of Flame from PCOC, they started to embrace all of our teenagers. So while we were get, going up to the platform to get prayed over, all of our teenagers were in a corner being held by another youth group because they were all crying. Whew. I remember it. And I remember that was like the highlight reel. Yeah, we're going to get planted. Yeah, we're going to go and take the city, but now we have to leave everybody to go do what God called us to do. Everybody we love, all the kids that my kids grew up with who, by the way, most of them today are pastoring or in leadership today from that youth group. It's such an honor to just invest into those lives. And I remember being prayed over, and Roxanne and I being prayed over, and here we go. We're going to go do it. We're going to start a church in Redondo Beach, just me, you, and the kids. We're going to do this. And I remember walking through the conference just feeling like real like my chest puffed out a little bit. Yeah, it's my time. I'm going to go pastor. I'm going to go pioneer. I'm going to go start a church. I'm going to do this. And I remember Pastor Fernando Viacaña, if you don't know, he was runner-up for Mr. Universe at one point. He was a, he's a firefighter, phenomenal man of God, hero of faith in the fellowship. And he goes, hey, Eddie, come here. He goes, I have a word for you. He goes, I have a prophetic word for you. I was like, come on, Pastor, prophesy give it to me. I'm waiting to hear God's got a new building for you. God's got some millionaires that are going to join their hearts with you and they're going to begin to tithe and you're not going to have to work anymore. You're going to go into full-time ministry right away. I was waiting to hear a prophetic word. A blessing. You know what I'm saying? I was ready to hear a blessing in a prophetic word. And I remember here, alright, come on, Pastor, prophesy. I'm in the middle of a diner. He says, this is what the Lord says to you. 
It's not going to be on your strength. It's not going to be on your ability, your gifting, your talent, your charisma. God said, get out of the way and let him build the church. I'm going to test that word. I'm going to pray over that word. I don't know if that word is from God. <laughs> that's how sometimes we get, right? Because we're so arrogant sometimes. Right? And I'm like, okay, God. All right. I have walked 10 minutes, and I run into Ron Simpkins. And Ron Simpkins, he goes, hey, Eddie, I got a prophetic word from you. I'm like, come on. I need a fresh one. I need a new one. And Ron goes, Ron goes, the Spirit of the Lord says to you, it's not going to be on your strength. It's not going to be on your ability. It's not going to be on your gifting, your charisma. God's going to build the house. Let him build it. Get out of the way. It's not going to be you. It's going to be him. I got slapped twice. I was like, man, this, I'm, this is supposed to be my highlight reel. I'm supposed to hear, thus saith God, for the Lord God would say unto thee, I, I wanted to hear a King James Version, right? For God would say unto thee, for thou art my called and mine anointed. But, you know, I wanted to hear just like, but it was like, right after we got announced. And I remember, I was like, come on, babe, we're going to go on outreach. First time we went on outreach, it started to rain. And I looked at my wife and I go, this is going to be me and God. As I was outreaching in the city of Redondo Beach, I remember God saying, that's right, it's me and you. But it's more me than you. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just going to be obedient. And every time somebody with a prophetic gift came to our church, they would just speak life over me and Roxanne. They would speak life over our church. And then somewhere on the side, they'd go, God wants you to know that's not going to be on your strength, your ability. I'm like, okay. And we've seen God do miracle signs and wonders through the church, through all that God's done here at Restoration Life. I believe God's going to do even more. Come on, right? More life. Hashtag more life. Hashtag more life. So Landon is prophesying over me, right? He's prophesying over me. He's speaking life over me, blessing over me. And on the way to the airport, he's like, hey, God wants you to know. It's not going to be on you. He's going to build this thing. He's going to do it. You just need to be obedient. It's amazing how sometimes we all need to be reminded that everything that we're called to do is out of our control. We just need to be obedient. Ezekiel said, I was commanded to prophesy, and that's what I'll do. Some of you are being commanded to do something, and it might sound awkward to you, it might sound different to you, it might sound weird to you, but I promise you that if you're in the middle of a valley right now, and all you see is death and decay, and all you see is circumstances, situation, and problems, you don't see no way out, I'm here to tell you that you're in the perfect position to experience a miracle revival from God. And so right now, if I could have every head bowed and every eye closed in reverence to God, nobody looking around, nobody talking. You need a miracle right now in your health, 
in your finances, in your business. I want you to get out of your seat right now. You need a miracle in your marriage. You need a miracle for your child. You need life to be spoken over your family. You need life to be spoken over your future. You need life to be spoken over the call of God that's on your life. You need to get out of your seat right now. We want to pray. We want to speak life. I'm going to release our pastors. I'm going to release our life group leaders. I'm going to release our, our executive team, our elders. And we're going to just begin to pray. And we're going to begin to speak life. Ladies, lady hands.